Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Pop Podcast. I'm Rianne Roussos, and every week we're having these conversations to improve your points of performance when it comes to training. In this week's episode, Britt and I are joined by CrossFit Games athlete Joshua Alchama. He's part of Team CrossFit Invictus, who are hoping to shake things up this year in the team division. And like me, Joshua is a really big believer in starting your CrossFit journey with just the classes. But if you are looking for extra programming, Britt and I nut out all the things that you need to consider first. I know, two episodes in one week. Who are we? Navigating these time zones, you know, just pumping out episodes left, right and centre. We're just on fire. Oh, I love it. It's so good. I'm actually really excited about these two episodes. Um, so hopefully, you know, everybody else loves, loves them as much as we do. But we have some pretty cool stuff coming up um, next week. Yeah. Well, I think actually by the time this goes live, it'll be... People will probably be listening to it and the CrossFit Games will be on. It'll be on, yeah. It's like it's the one time of the year when – I remember when I was there in 2019, like my brother's text messaging me about who I, who I think's you know, going to win the Games. Like normally they don't give a stuff about CrossFit. But it's when um, – here in America actually, it's pretty exciting. CBS, they have live um, windows. So they'll be playing parts of the Games – on live television. So imagine for anyone in Australia, it's like switching on Channel 9 at 12 o'clock on a Sunday and they're playing the CrossFit game. So I think it really legitimises the sport too. It's coming into mainstream a little bit more and year on year on year, I think thanks to the documentaries now, people who don't do CrossFit are actually interested in the CrossFit games. So you're just seeing a little bit more of it, you know, for people that don't actually participate in it at all. Whereas I find like... A couple of years ago, if you said the CrossFit Games to a normal person, they'd be like, what? What the hell is that? Exactly. Um, and this is actually my second time going to the Games, being there in person. But the first time around, um, I worked for our friends at the Morning Chalk Up, which was awesome. Such a good experience. Um, but I didn't look up from our screens, our computer screens, pretty much the whole time. So you don't really get to experience it. I think I'll get to really immerse myself in it and we'll record an episode there. So I Yay. feel like it's just, I can go, you know, full froth. And and then, I mean, ultimately for people like you and I who, um, you know, CrossFit's a big part of our life, but if we're honest, we're never got, we're not really aspiring to go to the games, but it's still inspirational nevertheless you know you watch it and they might even do it I love it when they do like a benchmark wad in 2019 they did I think it was Grace they ended with Grace and Isabel and then in the middle did like 30 muscle-ups for time and so they're like benchmarks yeah it was the I forget what it was called we'll have to look that up but three workouts that a lot of people in their gyms would do they're doing them back to back and probably like in a third of the time that it takes anyone. And when you mm. see someone achieving that, you're like, what is actually possible? It's insane. The As a coach as well with the CrossFit Games, you do see like quite an influx of people join um, post-games. 
Uh, at, oh, really? Like gyms. Yeah, yeah. And it's like people that, I mean, whether they're motivated or they see like someone doing cool stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, I watch the CrossFit Games. I've never seen it before. I thought I'd come down and try. And But that's the thing. A lot of people come and they see these documentaries and they're like, I want to learn to do this. And it's yeah. like, let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> let's just let's just get you coming three days a week. That'd be great. Let's just yeah. go to the gym three days let's a week. Let's give that a crack. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to this week anyway? What else has been happening? Oh, just, just the reg, like training. Um, we also went to Smash Mouth with a few, like remember Smash Mouth? Um, with a few people from the gym, which was super fun. Um, I mean, it's always just good to hang out with people outside of the gym doing non-gym things, but, um, when uh, two of the fellow coaches were like, let's go to Smash Mouth. I was like, I know one song from Shrek. Hey now, you're an old star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get your game on, get paid. But yeah, let's go. <laughs> and I think everyone who was there was waiting for the one song as well. Like as soon as they played, um, actually they were, it's funny because it's like circa 2000. You don't realize mm. that you do know a few of their songs. Yeah. But like it's, it's actually, in the back of your head. Ah, uh, and as soon as they played it, everyone then packed up and went home. <laughs> but, um, it got me thinking, I was like, I haven't been to a concert in, I don't know how long. I think the last show that I saw, was like maybe Kanye West in 2012 or something. I just haven't been to concerts in ages. But there are some people, especially in Australia, who were just like, they were frothing for it. And did you see Splendour in the Grass? Oh, All the photos? my God. Mate, <laughs> I have seen like the, the queues of people waiting for buses, the tent, like the camping sites everything there have been like non-stop tiktok videos of splendor in the grass and it was my literal worst nightmare i would sooner rather die for me it was the mud like the yeah. people in gumboots and so for anyone listening in the u.s who doesn't know what splendor in the grass is it's kind of like our coachella it's mm. just um it's in byron bay it's kind of the go-to that's also embarrassing festival. because it's it's nothing compared to Coachella, <laughs> but it's our version. It's our version. But I read actually in an article, they used to have 30,000, a cap of 35,000 people. And this year they were like post COVID, like let's open it up to 50,000. Oh. And then when the weather turned out to be just an absolute shit show, like people had mud up to their like knees. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like people, they were trying to like pin their tent, their tents down. They were trying to pin their tents down and they were just getting blown away. I don't care if my favorite band of all time is playing. Like you could not pay me to go. You couldn't pay me to deal with that. Anyway, so moral of the story, if the weather says it's going to be raining, <laughs> don't camp. <laughs> And don't go camping with 50,000 other people I know, in the mud. It's <laughs> even worse. So bad. Well, I hope that doesn't happen to the people who camp at the CrossFit Games because I will admit, because I'm going solo, I was like, I wish I could camp on site. But maybe that's uh, for another year when, you know, the pop podcast goes on tour. We can go to the CrossFit Games and we can camp and it won't be raining and we'll be all good. Is it, you can <laughs> but, camp at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, it's like a, a lot of people do that. And even um, 
kind of ties in a little bit to what we're going to talk about today. But uh, CrossFit Mayhem, um, which is one of the like top teams, they are always camp. So they get like heaps of RVs and stuff, but they camp and they camp well you know like they've got these massive rv camp events so it's not really camping a lot of people americans know how to camp they've got their big caravans and they're not like glamping like us it's glamping um (laughs) but a loose link to today's guest who is all the way from the uk from team crossfit invictus joshua alchama he and his three teammates from san diego think they've got what it takes to take down the likes of crossfit mayhem and Annie Thora's daughter's team, CrossFit Reykjavik. Stick around because after the chat, Riz, we're going to dissect a few of the points which Josh makes, uh, which I think are super important mm. for our listeners, no matter if you're just starting out or if you're looking for the next step in your CrossFit journey. Before we get into our chat with Josh, a quick shout out to Born Primitive for supporting this episode of the Pop Podcast. Yeah, and anyone who knows me or has been following me on Instagram for some time, you know how much I love their products. We're so stoked that they've come on board to help us bring you guys each episode of the Pop Podcast. The best part is you benefit too. Born Primitive are offering our listeners 10% off. And for every dollar you spend, that also goes back to supporting us. It's pretty easy too. You just follow the link in the bio of the Points of Performance Podcast Instagram. That'll automatically apply your discount at the checkout. Just make sure you select the right link where you're based in the US or Australia. Joshua Alchama, just weeks away from calling yourself, probably days away by the time this goes to air, CrossFit Games athlete. I was so stoked when you qualified. Oh, mind blown. (laughs) I was like, finally, this guy is getting the Guernsey. Um, How's it all going? What does training look like? What does every day look like for you as the days count down to Madison? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been eventful. It's been very fun. Um, training's been great. Like we always knew from the get go that we had a good team. Um, our communication and our the way we've kind of gelled and bonded with each other has been exceptional. Um, I just feel like now, honestly, you've caught me at a time where I'm the most sore I think I've ever been in my life. Um, I arrived home today and I'm just completely knackered. You can probably see it in my face. Um, tra- but it's been it's been fun. It's been fun. It's just been tiring. It's uh. It's definitely a different uh, ball game when you're going to the games versus, you know, just doing the open or doing semifinals. Everything changes, everything ramps up. It's like, you know, I'm looking at my coaches asking for a deload and they're like, yeah, great. You can deload on the 8th of August. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What does training look like at the moment when you say it's different? Is it the volume? Is it what you're actually doing? Yeah, the volume, the things we're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're very fortunate being in San Diego that we get to train out in the heat, which is what we're you know trying to be prepared for when we get out on the field at the games. Um, but also, you know, we're doing a lot of odd object stuff out on the turf. We're running up, you know, mountains, doing trail runs, even though that's not going to be uh, prominent in in Madison. You know, the trail run aspect of it, just getting used to being in extreme heats and working under fatigue um, has been one of the main things we focused on a lot. I mean, we're all pretty fit people. We we proved that by getting to this point. But now it's taking that extra step and doing the stuff that you might see come up at the games. I mean, what's a typical day like for you at the moment? Uh, for anyone listening, you know, most professional athletes training, doing two sessions a day, but now is that ramping up even more? Yeah, I mean, we still stick to the two session a day type of process. Um, whereas before it might have been a little bit more of like a steady state cardio in the morning, that cardio is now becoming 
compete cardio, uh, where it's a little bit harder. So yeah, I mean, for me, generally I get up around 7am, uh, have my breakfast by eight. I'm in the gym by nine, uh, session one will be from nine to about 11, 1130. Uh, then I get out of there, have some lunch, usually in a side bowl, something light. Um, and then we go back into training around one thirty, and we're there till about four thirty, Um, and then that's it for us. And then we kind of finish up around that time. I love watching your social media and your teammates. You seem to gel so well. But if anyone can't tell with your English accent, <laughs> how on earth did it come that you were competing with CrossFit Invictus? Where did that relationship start? Yeah, I mean, when when this whole thing came about, it was a bit of a pinch me moment. So I first started CrossFit sort of, I think it was like a couple of weeks before the Open in 2016 um, is when I kind of found a CrossFit gym. And I remember doing the Open and being absolutely terrible. Um, but I kind of just enjoyed it that much that come the start of 2017, I, I got 2016 out of the way and I just said I was just going to do classes for the rest of that year. And then come 2017, I was fishing around looking for a program and I actually found CrossFit Invictus in 2017. Since then, you know, I, I had left CrossFit Invictus, went with other coaches, did different things, you know, was competing all over the world, doing loads of individual stuff. Um, and then when I finally moved out to California, I got a call from Tino saying, you know, now you're close by, do you want to come back to Invictus? So it was this kind of full circle. And when I went back to Invictus November of last year, it wasn't like, oh, you're coming back, you're going to be on the team. It was more just put yourself in an environment where you can integrate yourself with other athletes and see what your training's like. And, and I just loved it that much. I mean, I, I hadn't trained with other athletes prior really uh, to this extent um, before November of last year, I was doing everything on my own bar. You know, I was in Dubai for six months of last year and I was in a gym around people, but it was never like a full focus with a training team. I mean, such is the caliber of the CrossFit Games now. To qualify as a team, you kind of need four athletes who are going to be just on that cusp of being an individual athlete anyway. So mm -hmm. what's the difference, do you think, in training and preparing for the Games as opposed to being four individuals but now being Team CrossFit Invictus? It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is very different. I, I do agree, I think there's different and, and I don't want to sound like a snob here and that, that's not the case what I'm trying to explain but there's a difference between going to the games to go to the games and going to the games to compete right and I really do believe that I think like even though this is my first time going to the games I'm not going to the games to be there and and the whole team agrees with that we're not going to be there you know we won granite games and we're going there to stand on the podium that's our goal ultimately what happens in between that you know some of it will be within our control some of it won't and we'll deal with it but <laughs> I think Yes, you do need four good individual athletes, and we all kind of proved that through the stages of the Open, and we even did the quarterfinals individuals, knowing we were going to go team just to kind of see where we stacked up. But there needs to be a kind of special type of chemistry, you know, and I, and I think I don't know how we executed it. Well, I mean, I'm sure the, the head coaches and, and CJ and everyone at Invictus will say they know how. I don't know how they execute it, but we do have a really nice balance of, you know, age versus youth versus experience versus hunger and that whole kind of system has just come together you know i'm i'm the oldest one on the team and we've got i'm 30 and devs on the team and she's not even 21 yet but she's been doing crossfit since she was 13 she's been to the games four times so it's like you know there's all these different kind of players within the team um so yeah i just i think you do have to be great individual athletes but you have to be willing to 
put yourself on the line for three other people. And I think that's the, the hardest part, the, the, the most fun part and the most rewarding, but the hardest part. Was it a difficult decision to make? I know you were the fittest in UK last year, did really well in the Open this year. Was it hard for you all to make that decision going team as opposed to an individual? Hmm, no. No, I don't think so. Uh, definitely not for me. And it doesn't seem that way for the for the rest of the team. We we all kind of had a clear vision very early on. We knew it was something that we wanted to pursue. Um, and actually, it's been... There's something special about team sport. And I've been saying this from the beginning. When you look at any any major sport of today, you know, apart from your golf and your tennis, which obviously people do like, it's team aspects. And CrossFit is very much a solo endeavor or it has been dominated by that for such a long period of time. For me, there was something exciting, if I'm going to be honest, about the concept of Rich saying he was going to retire and Reykjavik putting a team together. And th- there was something that I wanted to be part of personally uh, within that in the sense that I feel like this is now going to be the first year of seeing strong teams develop and create a team sport within CrossFit uh, where people are going to be excited to watch teams. I know uh, I've heard people talk like Noah is talking about going team with Chandler Smith and there's all these little kind of things happening behind the scenes and I, and I feel like this is really going to be the, the gateway year to where we see teams step it up. So th- that was exciting for me. There are so many storylines that make the team competition so exciting. Like you mentioned, you've got Mayhem, Reykjavik, even um, CrossFit Oslo. You, Oslo, yeah. Do you feel like you guys are the underdogs, even though you were so dominant at the Granite Games? Yeah, but Invictus have always been the underdogs. Invictus were the, were the I mean, the, we, they were the breakaway from CrossFit initially, right? When when programs were first being developed, Invictus were the first ones to step away from a main site and to create a, a program. And they've always been the the underdogs or the the kind of outcasts a little bit in, in, in a weird way. There's always been like a, you know, what's happening with these guys type of thing. But I like being an underdog. It's always, you know, it's it's better to, to climb to the top of the mountain than to be sitting there thinking who's going to come and tra- chase me down. You know, I want to be chasing people. So... Um, for me, I think that makes it exciting. So, What I love about not only your social media but um, your teammates as well, there is that air of confidence, though, in how you train and how you compete. Obviously, there needs to then be some mental preparations heading into the CrossFit Games. Is that something that you guys are working on? Uh, no, yes and no. I think... I've got enough knowledge behind me now, you know, being 30 years old, I know how my body works. I know how I mentally need to process things. I know how I need to think. I know the environments that I need to be in to perform the best. I would say personally for me, I don't overthink things. You know, it's fitness. Um, I'm going to step out on the floor. I'm going to put my body on the line and I will give everything I got. And and that's how it's going to be. You know, I don't like to step away and think about things that went wrong. I like to think about things that went well and, and kind of process the things that went wrong or whatever. But I don't think... For me, I'm the type of person that's like, you know, I need mindset training or anything like that. It's like, just do the hard, I was going to use the wrong word there, <laughs> do, the, do the hard do the hard stuff daily. And then, you know, over time, they become easy. So that, that's kind of how we think and feel. I remember the first time I met you, uh, seeing you on the floor at the Pandaland CrossFit Challenge. You're a natural competitor and a bit of a showman. Have you been competing all your life or, or is there 
athleticism that runs in your veins. Like, tell us how you got into CrossFit and how it all started. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's definitely not athleticism that runs in my <laughs> veins, that's for sure. I had to uh, really work on that one. And actually, it still blows my mind today to think like, you know, I'm within one of the fittest teams on earth, you know, one of the fittest athletes on earth going to the CrossFit Games. Like, for me, you know, I'm still someone that has a very normal life. I train really hard, but I have a very normal life. You know, me and my wife, we like to do very normal things. You have I'm very not nice that cars. Type. You do have very nice yeah, cars. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like nice cars. I like all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, so years ago, I used to be a dancer um, in my early days. So that's probably where the showman type of stuff comes from. But as far as being fit, actually, believe it or not, even though I used to dance, I was very unfit right up until like 24 years old. I enjoyed going to the gym, but I was up until 24 smoking 15 cigarettes a day and drinking, you know, on the regular. I was not a healthy person. And I had this kind of this moment in my life where I just woke up one morning and said, this is not working for me. I don't feel good. And I just quit everything and was like, I'm done, you know, and just was like, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to do something really hard. Um, I always joke. So my dad was actually in the army and uh, I always say I would love to have been in the army, but I'm too much of a wimp. So (laughs) that wasn't going to work for me. So I found CrossFit. I love your story too about how for that first 12 months, I have so many people in my classes say, what should I be, which program should I be on? You just did the classes and no program. Don't do it. What Mm -hmm. would you recommend that to anyone you coach or your progression seems very natural. How did you go from being just someone who did the class every day to 2020, a CrossFit games athlete? Yeah. I mean, so when I started CrossFit, I actually, the way I split my week is I did two CrossFit classes and two weightlifting classes a week. That was it. Two hours of CrossFit, two hours of weightlifting, nothing more. I was still, you know, not eating that well. I was finishing a CrossFit class and being like, yo, I just burned a thousand calories. Let me go eat a pack of cookies. You know, that was my mentality. Right. And then over time, you start to progressively get a little bit better. Now I'm starting to win class workouts. And over time, I'm starting to win most of the workouts. And then I'm like, OK, where, where is the next step? And I progress into the next step. I think there is this kind of notion where people come into CrossFit and they see competitive athletes and they think they can just jump in their garage and jump on a program and be this pro athlete. And like people are forgetting how difficult this sport is. And I really encourage working with a coach you know, for a good solid year, year and a half before you even contemplate going into that, that avenue. And, you know, there, there are good coaches, there are bad coaches, you have to kind of source out the good ones and the ones that are going to help you. But just be in a gym, be in a community, do the classes, do a local throwdown. I mean, I'll never forget my first local throwdown I went to was in my own gym, there was like 30 athletes, I came 28 and couldn't do a double under like, those are the humbling moments that really push you onto the next step. But I think, it's very easy to watch the fittest on earth or watch a documentary and be like, I'm going to do that. But I don't know. I think sometimes you just got to really, it, it sounds cliche, but start with the basics. Then during COVID or just before COVID, there was a period there where you were so close to qualifying as an individual. I think there was a couple of competitions where you were just on the cusp, the last chance qualifier. Did it ever get to the point where you were like, I quit. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just not going to make that final step. How do you go beyond that mentally when it just feels so close you can touch it and yet so far away? Well, I would say that my problem is I have a wife that loves going to competitions and she's, she's a quite a good cross- CrossFitter too. She's a, she's a CrossFit fan girl. So <laughs> every time I've said I'm going to quit, she doesn't let me. Um, so that's my, uh, that's my motivation right there. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely been a bit on the cusp. I've had those kind of setbacks but one thing that I've always lived by is it's just not my time 
you know, if, if something happens and, you know, it, it doesn't work out the way I want it to, I always just say, it's not my time. That's okay. You know, I'm, I'm doing this ultimately to, to prove to myself I can, uh, you know, when, when people say, you know, they've got all these people they're doing it for, I don't have to do this for anyone. You know, I, I don't have a, I don't have a life where I feel that way, but I do, I'm doing it for my own ego and not a negative ego. Um, yeah. And I just, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We move on. I'm building memories, you know, with my wife that we're going to ultimately tell our children one day. So that's what matters to me at the end of the day. And then, you know, now this year there was a real breakthrough. And I really think that was just because I, I went from being this kind of, you know, we'll see what happens type of mentality to I'm going to make it happen. And I surrounded myself with people that feel that way too. Like that, you know, the guys at Invictus really are they're doers. They don't say like, they're not the people that walk in the gym and say, they're going to do this. They say they're going to do that. They do it. Like no matter how hard it is, they're doing it. And being in that environment really helped me. Explain that environment to anyone who hasn't, you know, seen CrossFit Invictus. You've got masters athletes, you've got, you know, competitive teams. I think there were three teams competing in semi at a semifinal level. What's in the water Mm -hmm. there? Do you know what it is? It's, it's a family. It really is a family. It's not a business. It's a family. And I, and I, I firmly believe that, you know, they really take care of us to the point of like, when we go out to, we, we call her Mama K, but Karen, who is actually CJ's mom, who owns the gym, when we go out to competitions, she, she came out to Granite Games. She sets up a whole kitchen. She makes all our food. Like, you know, there really is that family there. But I think what's special about Invictus is there's this kind of like pass down of this, of the torch and this elevation of the athlete to coaches. So now the, you know, the coaches that are coaching us were the athletes on the team or the athletes that were individuals and everyone's kind of moving up and stepping aside, letting the new talent come through. And, you know, there really is this kind of nurture program that happens at Invictus and it's, it's very sincere. Um, and I think that just kind of keeps us around, keeps us wanting to be with each other. Everyone looks out for each other, you know, Jen, uh, going as a master and, and Sam too, you know, we've been looking out for them. We've been training hard with them. They've been pushing us, even though we're in different categories, you know, so um it really is just the family aspect of it that keeps keeps us growing Uh, now i know this is probably a bizarre question given that you're all in and your focus is on the next couple of weeks in madison with the team but do you have aspirations moving forward to go back individual to stay as a team athlete have those thoughts start to started to enter your head i mean my focus definitely is you know one step at a time. I think that's the best way to get through things. Um, and it was very evident when we competed at Granite, we didn't even think about the second workout until the first one was out of the way. And we're kind of doing, we're trying to keep that same process as we move forward here. I can say though, I have absolutely loved being on a team. Um, and if the opportunity was given to me for a second year, then I'd potentially take it. Um, there's something special about what we're doing here. And I think we have a chance this year and if not this year a year being the number one team again you know and and kind of getting that that crown back to invictus um but i'm also not opposed to to the idea of being an individual athlete i will say though you know obviously i am aging i'm not old by any means and i want to compete for a very long time i love other sports other than crossfit you know i do triathlons and stuff like that and you know me and amber want children so do i feel like i have to go down the individual route no, I don't really have anything to prove. I know I'm I'm one of the best, so I can enjoy being on a team. Will you ever go back to the UK or it's USA for life? No, <laughs> no, no, thank you. I love the UK and I love people from England. Uh, I love how I grew up. I love everything about it. 
but it is too damn cold. Look at this tan I've got now. I can't, I can't go back to England. I actually saw a photo. I don't know if it was on the Invictus page or on your page, but you, the four of you were sitting there and I thought if you were to pick the Englishman, <laughs> you would be the last person I would pick. Like it's a very impressive, very natural tan. So Yeah, I mean, I've been, it's taken me since November of last year till now, so I'm proud of it. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about competing at the Games? just soaking it all up, just being there, you know, something that I always try and do when I'm in competition is just acknowledge where I am, look around, look into the crowd, kind of soak up all those moments. You know, we, it is going to be challenging because we have a goal, we have a vision, you know, there's been times I've gone to a competition and I'm there just to have fun. This is not that case. I'm not there just to have fun, but I know that I compete better when I'm enjoying myself. So for me, it really is just going to be about living in every single moment that comes to me, whether it be good or bad, um, process it and just kind of have a great time. You know, I, one of the one of the greatest things and saddest things, to be honest, about competition is it, they're amazing in the moment, but they just fly by so quickly. You know, like I've I've finished weekends before and just been like, where has that gone? And I don't want to feel like this. You know, this is my first time going to the games. You know, I have every intention of it not being my last, but I'm going to remember this the most. So. Do you feel like you can take on Mayhem and Reykjavik? Do you feel like CrossFit, 100%. this could be your year? Yeah, what, 100%. I, it's kind of, uh, it's interesting how, how CrossFit are, are putting this play on it. And, you know, there's only two teams being spoken about. Um, not because I'm saying we are the best team, even though I do feel like we are one of the best teams, but there's other great teams out there. There's also other teams that won their semifinal. There's been this play on, you know, uh, Reykjavik and Mayhem, uh, getting clean sweeps at their semifinals. But in my opinion, I don't really feel like they had any competition. So now it's time to to give them their, give them their competition. And I think that's what fans are so excited for as well. Answer me this one question. Someone said that everyone on your team has an animal pseudonym, like everyone yeah. is an animal. Firstly, yeah. firstly, what are you? And then what are the rest of your teammates? So, of course, I have to be the tiger, big old tiger tattooed on my knee. Um, we named Jorge the gorilla, Brit is the swan, and Deb's the ram. A ram? Uh, yeah, <laughs> she's hard-headed. Oh. <laughs> She'll take you down. <laughs> Brit, Brit, we gave her the swan because she, uh, she's just flying this year. I mean, through everything, through her gymnastics, through her engine work. Like, she's just, she's taking off, which is amazing. And, and Jorge, you've only got to look at the size of him. He's a gorilla. Yeah. Does he have gorilla arms too, like really long arms? No, but his forearms are huge. They're like the size of, I mean, I've got pretty big biceps, but his forearms are like a double hand to try and hold on to it. It's crazy. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I'll definitely be looking out for that on the floor, that's for sure. <laughs> See this guy's forearms, they're massive. Finally, we do end every interview with a gym fail. I know you've only been in the game since 2016, but surely you have a brilliant gym fail, being the showman that you are. Oh man, I've had many gym fails. I've had I've had three in the last two weeks. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I'm finding that my uh, long, gangly legs are just not getting over the boxes like they used to. So I've I've taken out both shins. Uh, Recently. And yeah, this in the last two weeks. Um, and then I also took out my little finger. So this one's really swollen compared to this one. Uh, trying to pick up the worm, slammed it into the floor. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a few. I actually fractured a first rib doing a qualifier one time too. And you kept going? And I kept going. I, uh, 
I have a name for myself of being a bit dramatic. So uh, at the time, my coach just told me to get up and carry on because he thought I was being dramatic. And then that same day, I finished the qualifier. I did a 5K run. I did a 10K bike. And I woke up the next morning in complete agony, went to the hospital. And the guy was like, yeah, you fractured your first rib. How did you fracture <laughs> it? What, what movement were you doing? I was actually doing a heavy DT for a Waterpalooza qualifier. And the bar, it was in the clean. It came down and I, and I hit it. What we all want to know, though, did you qualify? I actually ended up going team that year. Um, yeah, so that was that was the year that I uh, so I was going to go individual, and then I had an opportunity to go with uh, Mickey Smith and Harriet Roberts, um, Sam Briggs. So it was, it was that year. Yeah. So anyone who says he's dramatic, endure, endure the pain. Yeah. Well, I hope you have don't have any more gym fails between now and August. Hey, 3. you and me both. Oh, can't wait to see you on the floor and catch up in person. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you always bring so much energy to anything you do. So um, it will be brilliant to see you shine in Madison. I don't know about you, but it's something about the UK accent that just makes it so easy to listen to them talk. Honestly, he and he's so, like you said, he's so charismatic. It's so easy to listen to him, you know, explain everything. One of the big things that we took away from this and I take away and I try to teach everybody that I have contact with is that, you know, doing the class and just putting in that time of working away at the basic things, showing up daily and putting in that effort and then building that towards something else, not like trying to go into like individual programming straight away and all those things. It's so hard though, because you do when you first come in and you want to get good at everything and you see the people who are good and that's what they're doing. So I can understand why it's really hard to not, to think that you should be doing more, but I love how Josh is so adamant about no this is what I I recommend for anyone and I think we both see that as coaches as well um did you how did you when you first started CrossFit did you just do the classes or did you jump into how long before you jumped into individualized programming um so yeah I think I I started uh, maybe just after the open finished in what was 2014 so the, the open had just happened and everybody was like talking about the open and blah, 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 blah. And I had just started CrossFit. So then from that point, I just did the classes. Um, and obviously I, um, within that first year, I, I was pretty good. Like I, you know, I could do everything basically besides a ring muscle up and I wasn't very good at double unders, but, um, <laughs> I had kind of mastered all those basics. And then the, um, that in 2014, when I did the open, I did really well, um, just for somebody who had never done kind of CrossFit really before. And I probably went another six months of doing just the classes. And I got to that point where I was like, I need to be better at more things. Mm. And so I wanted, and being a coach myself as well, I guess I kind of, I understand the benefit of programming and having someone do that specifically for you. So I kind of looked for that and then I ended up like moving on to some other individual programming. But again, it was kind of like with the CrossFit programming, how it is, it's like you, you all join the program. It was called the blueprint at the time. And so there was like 20 athletes that all did the same programming with maybe little tweaks, depending on what you needed to work on. Um, and that was kind of me from that point. I just, I was on the blueprint for years. 
But I think it's important to to recognize that you had a pretty solid foundation. You'd done like strength training yep. and you understood programs and things like that. Um, I did the opposite. I came into classes and um, I made friends with the um, coach at the time. We became really good friends and she was on a separate program. So I just did what she did. But mm. looking back in hindsight, like I should have done the classes for so much longer because yeah. we got to the stage where because of my job at the time, I was having to train alone and, you know, training at ridiculous hours, trying to still work out how to clean and jerk while I was doing percentages. And it just wasn't a good good mix yeah <laughs> so I definitely would in not um encourage you <laughs> to do it the way that I did it that's for sure but I think you know if you're an avid listener of the podcast we learn what not to do from Brittany yeah. um but I'm having these conversations with people at the gym that I'm at now too hmm. I'm kind of a, a um, athletes who are a little bit better than average and they see that I'm on my own program and they're like oh should I do that too and I'm like no you don't need to you literally um our gym and and CrossFit Ducks as well does uh, Mayhem affiliate program programming and there are people who are paid to work out a program that's going to help you all progress and unfortunately the trap you can get in I think when you start doing extras is doing too much again um, like a a year or so into my journey I was like okay cool I'm going to do the classes when I joined Ducks but then I got a weightlifting program on top of that so I don't mm. think I was really getting the benefit from either. And I think that, that then that's another trap you can fall in by, you know, if you decide to start doing individualized programming and cherry picking like, you know, a gymnastics program and a weightlifting program and then jumping in on the wads, mm. you're probably going to miss the stimulus in all three. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's one thing that I think if you're going to get somebody to – program extras for you they need to be a coach that can look at the programming that you're doing at your gym um so that way they can kind of tailor it to suit the the needs of what you know you need to work on around what you're actually going to do in the class um but yeah it's like you said people that they want to do extras i get this all the time i've had people come up to me and sometimes like these people have you know, they're struggling to get to two classes a week and they're like, oh, I think I need like programming more structured to who I am. And I'm like, actually, you just need to get to a point where you can come and train every day and you can get through everything. And once you get to that point and, you know, you've developed that kind of consistency and you can, you know, be really secure in the effort that you're putting in, then we can have a look at, you know, tailoring something a little bit more towards, you know, bringing up any imbalances or any weaknesses you might have. But for most people, if you're not getting to the gym, like between three and five times a week, you definitely don't need an individual program. Mm. Also, like, again, Josh was very adamant, and I know you're very Mm. adamant about this, just do the classes. What I see all the time is say, you know, we've got three rounds of 20 toes to bar, three other (laughs) movements. People in that workout realize, hey, I'm not that good at toes to bar. After that workout is not the time to practice them. (laughs) Like you've just, do you know what I mean? And I see it all the time. And it's like, okay, cool. So I'm going to try and practice them while I'm fatigued. And again, I feel like I can say this quite bluntly because I used to be that person too, like, I was like, oh, I can't, you can't, I can't string my chest bars together in the workout. But when I'm fatigued at the end of it, I'm going to give it a red hot crack again. Like it's just, <laughs> it makes no sense when you say it 
when your heart rate's down. But I've been there. Like I, t- I totally, I totally get what you're trying to do. But take a day off. Like don't even practice them the next day. Maybe, maybe the day after that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because you're right. Like everyone's like all of a sudden because it's not in a workout. Like you're all of a sudden going to start stringing five together after trying <laughs> to do 150 and failing. Like it's I know it's frustrating and it's so hard because you're like. I really just, I really want to get it and I feel like I can. And it's like you get, and you just want to kind of overcome that issue. But it's like you said, there's no point doing it post the the workout. Mm. Or like you also see people that'll be like, oh, 16 kilo kettlebell swings. Like that's really easy for me. So I'm just going to go 24. No, just do the 16 kilo kettlebell swings. Like, that's what the workout is. Like, yeah. if it's easy, crush it. Let's go. Yeah. You know, let's win. You don't need to. You don't need to start like changing that stimulus and trying to make things harder and more difficult. And when you're really eager and you want to get better, and you want, you think that sometimes that's the solution, but it's not. Who are those people though? Like, I anytime I see something that I'm like, I can crush this, I get so nervous. <laughs> I'm like, because I know it's, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But this is, this is like you, it's often athletes that are are not experienced. They're not quite, they don't quite understand. Like it's 16 kilos for a reason, no matter how good you are, because if you're good, then you need to make this hurt more. And that means going faster or going unbroken or whatever it is. There's a, like a different way to improve yourself without having to change, like make the weight heavier or whatever it might be. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know if there's anyone out there who needs to hear this, but again, Josh was like, just do the classes. And that's what mm. we're talking about here. I used to think that I could get fitness in secret. So like, I could on a Sunday... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even joking you. So I would, um, on a Sunday, I was like, the gym's closed. It's everyone's rest day. But if I go for a 5k run, that's a little bit of extra fitness that no one else is getting. I, we laugh, but seriously, I see it here too. People go for runs before and after the class. And that's actually, I think the more and more I learn about my own progress, I'm like, I think that's actually hindering your progress instead of helping you to get fitter or because say, say for example, right, you run on a Sunday, you do a 5k, even if running is easy for you, you're still working your body hard. And it relates back to what we were saying um, last week with our rest days and when we should take rest days. Yep. The swimming. Then say you turn up to the gym on Monday and what's programmed is five rounds of, you know, rowing intervals with kettlebell swings and double up. Like it's, it's cardio. Mm. you've you've already eaten into the like energy store that you had for that workout if you hadn't have run and you had rested, you're actually going to crush that workout Mm. or just doing you know bike intervals before the the class wad you're like i'm getting extras in i'm getting extra fitness you know those people who just rock up at nine like 10 to nine and they're stretching beforehand they're probably going to beat you in the workout and i can only say this because i learned the hard way by doing more and then realizing that that was actually to a detriment. So when we say just do the classes, just do the class. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because like without kind of boring everyone's like 
brains out with me talking about programming when you look at a well-done program and that's what these like mayhem and invictus and all that they're programs that have been running for years like their their job is to deliver results for you so when you look at a good program across your week across your month your there's a reason why things are put in place there's a reason why you might have a rest day there's a reason because something that follows that might require you you know you might go for a 5k run on a sunday and then you come in and you're like oh my hamstrings and my hips a little bit tight and you've got to go do 150 thrusters like and all of a sudden it's like you said it's detriment to while the run fit felt easy the next day the results that you need to produce aren't there and so you're you're cutting your gains and you're cutting your opportunities short by not just following that structure but that's what a good program does it takes all of those things into consideration and when you start adding in weightlifting programs and you start adding in (laughs) gymnastic programs and taking away from the actual quality and the purpose of this program that's been written and prepared for you you just yeah it's to your detriment it's never to like you're never like you're not the genius that is like, that's what this, that's what this program's missing. It's missing a 5k run on a Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought I was that genius for so long. I I was like, you know what? All those suckers, you're not doing this. But then now like shoes on the other foot. I hope um, this gym member won't mind me talking about it, but I had this conversation on Monday with a gym member who's yet trying to look for that, um, that little bit more. And she's mm. been doing the classes for long enough now that she can do extra programming. But yep. she flip-flops between programs. And so she's got about oh, three going yeah. at any time. And so we'll cherry-pick from this and cherry-pick from this and cherry-pick from this. And I watched her on Monday and I watched it. And I was like, at the end of the class, I said, what are you doing? And she said, what you told me to do, you know, um, to just pick one program and, and do it. And I said, but you didn't do that. You did bike intervals. Then you did lifting and then you jumped in on the wad, which was like a similar stimulus. You, you can be smarter than that too. Like mm. while, while we say, you know, just do the classes. But if you're at that point where you're like moving a little bit beyond it, you can be intelligent about how you pick what you do and don't do. And say you have 20 minutes before or after the class and you're like, hey, I want to work on a few things. We're not saying don't do that. Mm. We're saying like if the class has an intense Metcon then don't go and do bike sprints in your 20 minutes extra. Like maybe that's the point where you work on those three bar muscle up drills that your coach gave you. Yeah. Uh, Just you, again, you don't also need a perfect program. And I think we're hoping to talk about this a little bit more on a later episode, but there's no perfect program out there. So Mm. I'm not saying that you can't cherry pick some things from different, um, from different people or different programs it's like be smart about it and you actually just have to think about what's my purpose why am I actually doing this exact piece or why am I doing these exact accessories and once I started to like actually think about everything I was doing I can even like I have crazy OCD that if it's in the program I'm like I have to do it not anymore because I'm now like working a little bit with a gymnastics coach and so if I have something where I'm like really fatiguing my shoulders in the gymnastics programming I'm not going to do the shoulder accessories that are in the program Mm. because it's like well one's got to give Um, you're really good at that how do you to kind of decide 
picking just those little bit extras. So we're talking to the person who's not necessarily doing a whole other program. They still come into the class every day, but they have picked a few goals that they have in mind and they have 20 minutes a day outside of the class to do that. I mean, it's the same thing. You shouldn't ever be like, I'm, I'm ruined from all of mm. those extras that I did. You should be able to do your... 20 minutes of extras and it shouldn't impede or affect your performance the next day. And if it is, you're probably doing too much or it's too hard or you're putting things back to back where it's like, like you said, like let's say your extras are ring muscle up drills. You do 20 minutes of ring muscle up drills and then you come into the next class and you've got all this pull up work the next day, next day. Well, your, your, your upper body's probably going to be a little bit fatigued, so it's not smart to do that. And I think that comes with experience and knowing yeah. yourself as an athlete. And unfortunately, that's something that is just time and time in the game and understanding how things work and how your body works. And, you know, like I'm not going to go do heavy front squats and then come in the next day and think that I can do, you know, unbroken heavy thrusters. Like that's it's yeah. there's going to be an element of fatigue. If I am going to do that, then I need to set a realistic expectation that I'm not trying to do the RX weight or I might change the intensity somehow. So it better suits what I've done previously. But for the most part, if when I program for myself or when I program for somebody else, I'm always looking at what we're doing the day after and the day before. Yeah. Um, and that that's why I, you'll look at a week and it's like, there are, you know, people like, oh, do you mind if I just change my days around? And I just, and it's like, you can, but you need to understand that there can sometimes be an, you know, a fatigue effect. And the reason why I put the days like this and I make the days, you know, in this order is to kind of minimize that fatigue and maximize your performance, which means you get more progress, less time, you know, feeling sore and feeling ruined and more time actually doing stuff in the gym. Programming is a very um, specific thing, and there are a lot. That's of why ways you do it, and I don't. <laughs> and I pay a lot of people money. I pay a lot of money to get it done. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to do things. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, and that's what programming is. Um, I think you always need to. There are a couple of things like when it comes to choosing a program, if you decide to go and follow one that you need to be aware of, you need to be able to do everything prescribed in the program, right? If you can't do everything prescribed in that program, then you're probably not ready for it. Whether yeah. that's mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is, if you can't commit to the five days of training that they give you and you cannot commit to the load, you can't do the movements, you're not ready for that program. So you need to find a program where you can com you can complete everything every day. On top of that, you need to be able to complete everything every day and not feel like you want to kill yourself at the end of the week. <laughs> right? You need to be able to be like, cool, it's Sunday, it's my rest day, I'm going to have my rest day. Like, I feel a little bit tired, like I've worked really hard this week, but, you know, like, after today, I'll get, you know, lots of food in, I'll rest and I'll be ready to go again Monday. You don't want to be getting to Monday and being like, I am still ruined from everything that I did last week because it's similar to eating in a deficit. If you continuously eat in a deficit and your body is performing at a certain level, 
eventually it's just going to ruin your performance because you're not giving it what it needs in order to train. The same thing applies for programming. If you're getting into the next week and you're still in a deficit of energy and ability from the week prior, that next week, it's already tainted, right? But that's what like good programming should manage. And that's why it's important when you do go into that kind of program and you are in that, you know, stage of your training that you consider all of these things and you need to have good communication with your coach. You need to be able to say like, listen, I can't do that or it's too much. I need to change it, whatever it might be. And whether that can be done or customized for you, again, will depend on, you know, what kind of program you're on. But if you're paying for individual programming, you should, this is my opinion, be able to have that conversation with your coach and you should be able to go, listen, I need to make some changes. I need to make some adjustments to suit, you know, my performance and my level and my capability better. And if they're not going to, if they're not going to do that, then again, it's probably not the program for you. And it's also about like, let's talk about 99% of the people that we're talking to here. Ultimately, no matter how much, you know, kill yourself in the gym, it needs to be a program that makes you want to go back on Monday. Um, and I think that's why another reason why Josh was like, let's emphasize doing the classes for an amount of time. What a lot of people love about the classes and about CrossFit in general is the community. And so like, let's, let's build that up before we launch into our own individualized program because it's hard to train by yourself as someone who's doing it every single day. Like I reckon I pretty high on the motivation scale. Like I'm quite self-motivated, but some days it's still freaking hard. And I think it would be a lot easier to just go in there knowing that there were 20 other people who were doing exactly the same thing and we were just going to get after it together. So I think mm. Again, our boy James Clear always talks about habit stacking. So constantly going to those classes helps you habit stack before mm. you launch into your own super-duper individualized program that's going to help you get to the CrossFit Games. Um, disclaimer, that probably won't happen. <laughs> but well, that's like a big part of the reason why I didn't want to be competitive anymore. I hated it. I was miserable. And some people yeah. can do it. You know, we, we spoke to Christy and she was really good. She just knuckled down. She got it done. She just, you know, she did what she had to do in order to get to where she is. And I just could not do it for any longer than I did it for. And I ended up feeling like I didn't want to do CrossFit anymore. And it wasn't until I came to Ducks, when I started working at Ducks, I was like, oh, I want to train with everyone. <laughs> you know? And I think as so. well for me, like knowing that that's waiting for me when I get home, that's a big mm. motivator to train every day because I'm like, I want to go home and be able to smash those bastards, you know, like, or that's why you go in every day. That's not yeah. what I want to do. I want to be able to train <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> but I want to win too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, and I think that's why Josh was able to make that transition of being all in as well mm. because he didn't do it too quickly. He wasn't like, okay, I did the 2016 Open and now I'm 100% in on this. He's like, I'm going to do the classes and fall in love with this sport. He fell in love with it and then was like, okay, what's the next step? And I think if anyone can take um, something away from Josh's chat, this is mine. It's like just take it step by step. Mm. And if you look at his whole journey – from 2016 to 2022, debuting at the CrossFit Games on a very good team, that seems like a pretty small amount of time. 
but it's because he consolidated step by step and didn't try running before he knew how to walk. Yeah, he just developed really good foundations and kind of went from there. Yeah. I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up for today. I'm so excited to see both Josh and Christy Hollard in action at the CrossFit Games. If you missed our chat with Christy in the last episode, be sure to get your fix before watching the teams in action in Madison. I'll be cheering so loud from the sidelines. I can't wait. I'm very excited for you. I'm a little jealous I don't get to go, but it will be awesome. Um, just remember, guys, make sure you follow us on at Points of Performance Podcast on Instagram uh, for all the latest, and we'll catch you next week, guys. Catch ya. Catch ya.